0: welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. Today is Thursday, October 18th, and I have two interviews for you this time. had a chance to talk to Andy Lincoln, who is the tournament director for the American 14-1 straight pool championship, which is going on in New York right now. I also had a chance to talk to Eklent Kachi, the current number one ranked player from Albania. Uh, coincidentally, he is at that 14 1 championship, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. In news over the last two weeks, probably the biggest tournament was the Euro Tour event that took place in Klagenfurt, Austria. And the tournament, the Open Division was run, was won by Mario He from Austria. And the female division was won by Jasmine Ushan from Austria. So, congratulations to both of those players for keeping that title at home. Another story that came across the wire uh, maybe three or four days ago, the Billiard Congress of America is going to take over management of the Billiard Education Foundation. I have experience dealing with the the BEF, the Billiard Education Foundation, uh, just from running Uh, junior state championships here in Arizona. I got involved when Sam Deep was involved, and anyone who's part of the U.S. pool scene is familiar with Sam Deep, and when she contacts you and asks you to run a state championship, you run a state championship. That's just the way it is. Everybody's got to work together. It'll be interesting to see how the BCA juggles everything they're doing now and then adding all of the stuff that the BEF does. I know from talking to Sam that that was a lot of work. I know the BCA is getting ready to get more involved in a professional pool here in the U.S. Sounds like they're, they're going to have more than their hands full with everything that they've got going and everything that they're getting ready to take on. One other piece of news, the BEF. Announced the 13 players who will be going to the World Junior Nineball Championships. Uh, Jordan Burden from Jacksonville, Florida. Thomas Haas from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Matthew Wisely from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Austin Summers, Metropolis, Illinois. Joey Tate, Lake Villa, Illinois. Mikhail Paris, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, from St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. Michelle Zhang, who we talked about during the April Larson interview from Harvard, Massachusetts. April Larson from Bloomington, Minnesota. Ariana Lynch from Allen, Texas. Tiana Zhang, who I can only assume is Michelle Zhang's sister, also from Harvard, Massachusetts. And Vivian Liu from Hayward, Maine. We wish good luck to all of those players. The Junior World Championship is October 30th to November 4th. I seriously doubt we'll have a chance to talk to any of those players here on the podcast before they go to play in that, because there's kind of a big tournament happening next week. So good luck to all of those players, and hopefully we'll be able to interview a gold medal winner when that tournament is over. We've got a couple tournaments going on right now. First off, the Joy, I've heard a couple different names for it. The Chinese Pool U.S. Open, I've heard another name. Basically, it was 64 players, top player wins 15,000 and qualifies for the big event that takes place in China here in a couple of months. Uh, Shane was there. As of the time this is being taped, Shane was still in in the running. Uh, Tang Ho was there. He did not get so far. Max Everly, uh, Ernesto Dominguez, uh, Gareth Potts, uh, Han King from China, who I remember from when we were over there covering the event. Either he or Gareth Potts have to be the favorites, but that, in, that tournament is still going on. It's winding down. I believe Saturday is the last day of it. And if you go on Facebook, you can look for Joy Billiards, and I'm sure you'll find the videos there from that event. The Dismal Swamp Nine Ball Classic, which is being ran by Tommy Kennedy's Southeast Open Nine Ball Tour, that's taking place right now. That's being streamed by TV Mike over at BilliardNet TV. That's a 7,000-added event. Uh, I saw a post earlier on Facebook from Tony Chohan that he was there, Earl Strickland was there, Skyler Woodward was there. Going back to that aforementioned American 14-1 championship, that's down to four players. Uh, Merrick Kudlick, Eklent Koczy, again, who we interviewed for this show, they will play each other, and Torsten Holman will play Conrad. No, I'm not even going to try. Uh, from Poland, he won... Last year's event, I understand Conrad won last year, but whenever it's straight pool, I assume Torsten is the favorite. That one is also being streamed on Facebook. We talked about it a little bit during the interview with Andy. uh, High Rock Store, which is High Rock Billiard Productions, they've been streaming it on Facebook. They've had some real nice streaming work there. That is another great tournament. And then if you're into watching guys who can't make a ball... Uh, the Dennis Diekman Memorial Tournament is being streamed by Upstate Al right now. That's three cushion, of course. Dennis Diekman, a famous cue maker. You can go to Facebook again, look up Upstate Al, and he's streaming selected matches from that tournament. I'm going to get up on my soapbox one more time here. You got a tournament that's fifteen thousand to the winner. You got a seven thousand dollar added tournament. You got another tournament that's ten thousand to the winner all of them the week before, what would have been the U.S. Open. I understand it's not the U.S. Open this year. And yes, I I screwed up a little bit during the interview with uh, Eklund and mentioned it by that name. I understand it's probably the most attractive weekend to run a tournament is the weekend before the U.S. Open because you're trying to get all those players. There has got to be a way for tournament promoters to work together so that Players have these opportunities. It would be better for these players. You take these three events, you run them three weekends in a row, and you have a player who has a chance to cash in all three. Instead, the players have to pick and choose. So Shane can't go play in the 14 1 tournament. Skylar's not there. Earl's not there. It's so backward. I, I just don't understand. Well, I say I don't understand it, but I kind of do. It's. The wild west out there you know any room any promoter can run any tournament they want to they just pick a weekend if it's on top of somebody it's on top of somebody hey you know it's my tournament as long as i get players for my tournament then i'm good the players ah, as long as i've got some players i'll be good all i need to worry about is myself and it's that exact attitude that contributes to where POOL is right now. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why POOL is where it is right now, but it's part of the reason. I mentioned that the BCA is getting ready to get more involved in professional POOL, and I'll know more about that in uh, the upcoming weeks. I sure hope that somehow with what they are doing, they can provide some kind of tool to make it easier for promoters to not schedule on top of each other. Then it's just going to be up to the promoters. But I'd like to at least get that out there and see what happens. Okay, first off this week, I've got Andy Lincoln. Andy used to run the Planet Pool Tour and has been involved in a number of things out on the East Coast. Andy's been part of pool for, God, 10, 15 years. Had a chance to talk to him after he had finished going from the round robin to the single elimination stages of the 14 1 championship. It was late at night, so it was a pretty short interview. So here you have Andy Lincoln. And I'm joined now all the way from New York by Andy Lincoln. Andy is the tournament director of it's the American 14 1 Championship.
1: Yep, American 14 1 Straight Bowl Championship.
0: And you've just, as we're talking, it's late Wednesday night, and you've just moved from the round-robin phase to, what are you, you down? Is it 32 players?
1: So, so we started with 48 players in a round-robin, and we did eight groups of six players. And we sort of made sure the groups were fairly even. Uh, we used some randomization on sort of the six-player levels, just so we get some competitive matches all around. And so every player had five matches, and we had 60 matches yesterday and 60 matches today, just wrapping up an hour ago. And so now we advance the top half. So we're advancing the top 24 out of that 48. So we're putting them onto a single elimination chart. And if you are skilled enough to win your group, you got rewarded with a buy in the morning, and you won't play till two o'clock. And then we'll we seated everybody all the way from one to twenty-four, and so nine will play twenty-four, and ten will play twenty-three, and so on in the morning around eleven o'clock.
0: Okay, and I'm I was following as well as I could the round robin brackets because I saw you posting updates online. Um, real quick question I had. I noticed that differential is listed on the round-robin brackets. Was that the first tiebreaker, or was it head-to-head? That's an excellent
1: question, because uh, this comes up, and there's various combinations you could run it at, and we've been uh, fine-tuning to make sure we have clarified everything. So the first, when when you're working with the brackets to see which three out of the six advance, we take uh, your record first, so if you're 5-0, and o, clearly you're, you're in. Uh, when there are ties in the records, like four and one, uh, we would take head to head, which could just be one against another player, or it could even be a three-way head to head. And we look to see if one player beat the other two and then they would advance first. And then you use head to head between the remaining two. And it can even happen with four players, although it hasn't, it hasn't happened, uh, this year. Uh, if, it comes down to say two players are three and two and you're trying to figure out who's advancing and who's not. Uh, Again, you just head to head. The ball differential is just sort of a final, a final uh, tiebreaker. uh, Just in case say three players are four and one and you want to figure out who's one and who's two and who's three and no one player beat the other two. It's kind of like our little round circle, right? One plays a, A B D but A loses to C and so on, you know. Right.
0: Did you have to go to the tiebreaker?
1: We did go to the well we certainly go to head to head all the time and there were, there were many four and one groups. Uh, out of the eight groups there were only three players, Thorsten Holman, Alex Paguline and Mika Eminen, that came out 5 and 0. The other five groups had four and one ties. So, we did use head to head there. And in one of the groups, we had a three way tie with just the scenario we talked about. And we did go to ball differential to determine who was first, who was second, and who was third in the group.
0: Okay. Um, and now, and you've been streaming matches online. So, when people listen to this Thursday, where would they go to find these matches if they haven't been following the tournament already?
1: That's a great question. Uh, there, there's a. Uh, probably a good time to mention high rock production that's, uh, helping us out with the stream here. So certainly you can go to their Facebook page, which is, uh, I think it's called HighRockStore.com. If you just put that into your Facebook search bar, you can also do American fortune one straight bull championships and, uh, request to join. And I'll probably see it within a couple minutes and add you in. And we usually, uh, share it from the high rock store so that, uh, Some other of our users can find it as well.
0: Now you guys, this is the first year that you've been playing it in New York, but didn't you start it? I mean, this started out as the Maryland 14 one championship, didn't it?
1: Yeah. And I have to really think back. I think this is our 14th year. I think we started in 2005 and uh, yes, it did start in Maryland. Peterborough started it down there and we played there and, uh, Peter, uh, I should mention Peter Burrows is our, is our chairman of the board. You know, he's the guy who makes this all happen. He's the one who started it, the one who keeps it going every year. He just loves school and he's enthusiastic and gets a lot of top players. And I think, uh, Mika Inman and then Thorson Holman and Johnny Archer are all very early big names, probably around 2009 and 2010. Uh, we, we, you know, the economy got hit hard and a lot of Maryland rooms shut down and we we sort of ran out of places to play in Maryland. And I had mentioned to Peter, I said, well, you know, there's a great room down in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and we could kind of tie it into the week before the U.S. Open in, you know, October and September and October. And, you know, why don't we just call it the American 4-2-1 Championships? So then, moving on from there, uh, U.S. Open is now moved out to Las Vegas. I think there's still the International Open, which we uh, work closely with, and again we tied it in there. But Richmond, uh, you know, they we had wonderful time there for four years, and uh, you know, we explored other options, and they were they were about ready to to move on. I think so. Uh, Peter located this Keram Cafe up here. in Queens, New York, Flushing, New York. And boy, what, what a great room. Uh, just lots of tables, lots of pool knowledge, and lots of uh, people excited about streaming and live scoring and all of this stuff. So, so it worked out pretty well so far.
0: You know, everybody has their own favorite discipline when it comes to the game. Uh, some people love nine ball, some people love eight ball, some people uh, are a little bit off in the head and love one pocket. Um, <laughs> you know, there are those diehard 14-1 fans. Uh, I mean, I love watching the game, but, you know, there are people who, who live, eat, and breathe 14-1. What is it about the game, do you think it is, that that appeals to the diehards?
1: Well, th- that's a good question, and, and and there's sort of two types of, I don't know if there are two types of diehards, but, so you know, this staple game, Might have been a little bit before my time. I'm 53, so I picked up pool a little late, but certainly in the 60s and the 70s, straight pool was one of the bigger games at that point, I believe. And so some of of the older players are like, oh, straight pool. You know, there's no real luck involved in straight pool. Keep shooting. And so I think people like that sort of aspect. You know, they call it 14.1 continuous sometimes. And it's because you keep playing, and you know, you can leave your guy in a chair for an hour or so. But th- th- there's no luck involved, really, in straight pool. Not really much at all. Maybe that's what
0: it's try When you talk about putting somebody in the chair for an hour, you had a couple of matches go that way, didn't you?
1: Well, you know, I tell you what, this room put brand-new uh, Simona's Cloth on uh, all 12 tables that we used. Uh, we used aramith balls, brand-new. And we got all the pockets at four and five-eighths which is sort of good for the rest of the year for the room. It's not too tight, but it's fair. But ultimately, it ended up a little bit easy for our level of competition. We had quite a few 125 and outs. Uh, there were, I think, three yesterday and a couple more today. So, yeah, uh, that's 125 balls in a row, you know, eight or nine racks.
0: And, and somebody ran 125 on Ephron
1: yes and here's one of your old school players tom walters right right from here in new york doesn't even play competitively much but he loves straight pool he plays in straight pool leagues and uh he ran 125 out efren's debut in our tournament and he got shut out <laughs> but i tell you what'll happen i tell you what happened the next match efren race played zion g also another local player from new york and uh, Efren ran 125 and out.
0: I assume, well, I, from looking at the at the results, I see that Efren moved into the single elimination. Uh, Zion and Tom Walters were tied. Which one moved ahead?
1: Right. So there we went with the head-to-head because the two of them were tied at 3-2, and, and Zion had beaten Tom Walter. So that meant that Zion will be here tomorrow, and Tom Walter, after running 125 and out on the legend, uh, is going to be watching, or maybe commentating.
0: <laughs> That'd be good. Um, do you know if High Rock has any plans after the tournament of of putting out the videos, or are they just going to be up on their Facebook page?
1: Uh, I have not heard that. We can uh, track that down tomorrow and see. There,
0: there well, there's very few options for uh, a straight pool player. I mean, major events. There, there is another major. Uh, straight pool event that we don't need to get too deeply into, but they consider themselves a world championship. You have a much stronger field than that other tournament, and I believe you have more added money, don't you
1: uh yeah, somehow somehow Peter, I think the prize fund this year is forty two thousand and if you add up the entries, you know we have a very modest entry, it's just three hundred dollars uh that gets you about fourteen thousand so so Peter magically sponsors and begs and pleads and, and uh, gets an initial almost thirty thousand dollars to uh, put into this and everyone who helps run the tournament we're all the sort of faithful enthusiasts and no one no one's getting paid there's no profit and every, all the money goes right back out so we try to keep our costs low
0: what are the thoughts of I mean, certainly you can't answer for Peter, but do you have have hopes to make this since there is no straight pool world championship right now? Do you have hopes to make this event into that world championship?
1: Well, that's certainly something that uh, has been asked many, many times, because exactly what you say. We do have such a strong field and uh, it, it feels like a world championship, right? And you know, they're, they're, uh, we're definitely exploring that avenue because you just get the the money up to the right amount, which, you know, is no trivial task, but you get that added money up to a certain amount. And now, now you can get on the WPA's radar and they, you know, be willing to sanction and call a world tournament. And then suddenly, you know, Hey, you'll get all of the top players, not just, you know, 25 or 30 of them. So that's certainly something we're hoping for. We just, uh, Peter does like running tournaments the way he likes to run them. So we want to make sure we sort of maintain our control of how we do things. But certainly that is a that is one of our immediate goals is to grow into the world championship.
0: It doesn't look like you're missing very many players as far as as top talent in this. Um, what do you what do you credit? I mean, certainly it doesn't hurt that you're a week before the international, but. You know, you've always had the the top players coming out. I mean, it's you know, as long as the event's been going on, it just seems like you get more and more of the top players every year.
1: And of course, I don't know exactly, but but I I, I do believe that Nicky Eminem and Thorsten Holman and some of these guys, you know, they just learned that that Peter is not out to try to get you know his cut of this money running this tournament, and they're just so thankful that you know all of the advertised money is there. There's never any question. There's never any problem. And it's, you know, it's a pretty good payout. We're paying out 10000 for first uh this week and 6000 for second. I think 3000 for 3000 each each, third through fourth, and uh, so on down the line. The top 24 that all make it to the uh single elimination all get paid a minimum, I think, of 700 I think that's what brings them out. You know, no confusion over the money or any of that.
0: I noticed that there was another pretty major event going on this week in California. You've been around this game forever. And, and after this question, I'll, I'd, I'd like to discuss that, but what do you think it's going to take for this industry to find a way to not schedule on top of each other?
1: Yeah. You know, that's been sort of a long-standing problem now. Uh, Pat Fleming runs the international Open, and Pat and Peter go back a long way, so they definitely you know kind of keep in touch during the year and try to solidify dates but it it, it is a, a bit much to ask all promoters to know about all of the tournaments and there's even an East Coast tournament uh, down in North Carolina, I think that has a couple a few top players that perhaps might have played in our event we are a little further away than we were the last four years down there in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, it would probably take uh, some sort of uh, players association or, or you know, some sort of governing body that says, hey, you know, when you choose your date, error-added money is this much. Uh, we'll make sure that other promoters know that, you know, no one's best interest to be overlapping these tournaments.
0: Well, I mean, you know, we always talk about how even the top players can struggle to make a living. But it seems like if somehow those promoters could come together, so there was maybe one major event each weekend instead of three on the same weekend and two weekends with nothing, it would be a whole lot better for the game itself.
1: Yeah, it just really comes down to having that governing body that can be somewhat of an enforcer and organizer and and say, you know, this this is really what needs to happen. And I, I don't really know how you enforce that kind of thing. I mean, there's also the angle of, like, a players' union idea that I think has been tried a few times. And something like that might work. But some of these events, I mean, you really have to sort of schedule them. Like, you know, we, we started ours and scheduled it back in, I think, March of this year. You know, it's a good six months. And it, it's hard to just nail down dates all the time. So I do think that's an ongoing challenge for sure.
0: Well, hopefully, it's something that can be addressed by the powers that be before this. You know, before too long. Um, like I had mentioned, you are a lot more than just the tournament director for this event. I mean, you've been around pool at at different levels for quite some time. Can you can you fill in some of the the listeners about everything that you've done for the game?
1: Well, I think uh, yeah, sure. I. I kind of got involved uh, back in maybe 2000 and 2001 in, in the Maryland area, and I was kind of just a, an average local type player, go two and two in tournaments, that kind of thing, occasionally catching the money. Uh, and then uh, we started the Planet Two Tour, and that, that kind of took off uh, in maybe 2003. And we started having, you know, it's just a local regional tour type idea. with many around. But we really got it going for several years there where we were getting fields of, you know, 100 players, 90 and 100 players. I think we had as much as 125 on each front of it. And uh, I just, you know, I helped run that. I helped do websites, helped keep points rankings and so on. And, of course, I mailed all of my results to AZ Billiards, <laughs> so, so, that, so that the entire pool audience could, could see what was going on which, of course, is also advertising for us, right? So we did that. And, uh, you know, that worked out really well. And, you know, worked with some of the magazines, set the stories in. and I think we were just more organized in some of the regional tours at that time. But then, what, maybe 2009 to 2010, things got a little bit tough. Some of the pool rooms were closing down. And we sort of sort of just let it go at that point. Uh, but But during that time, somehow I just... Discovered straight pool. I think it was actually at one of the Planet Pool, which then became the Tiger Pool Tour. Where I just wanted to stop, and I saw a little thing on there in a pool room in Maryland. that said, uh, Straight Pool League. And I was like, oh, I should try that. And I think that was 2006 or so. And uh, that's when I hooked up with Peter Burroughs to help organize uh, the events. And I think so. I think this is our 14th year in
0: a row. And of course, you don't mention it, but. I'm not even sure if you're aware of it. Um, There are a couple of tournaments that we run online brackets for, and we use the same online bracket system that we've had for years. And I needed an easy way to get those brackets into our database. So I still use the software that you wrote how many years ago? (laughs) Uh, I
1: would guess about 2005, 2004.
0: It's still working great
1: yeah i did write a uh well danny green
0: helped start the
1: uh it was sort of his uh, his baby the plant pool tour and he goes andy it takes us 45 minutes to do the draw and write up the chart every tournament we lose almost a whole round doing this so if i want to write you a program that does that you just enter all the names the database randomize the chart and you can start the tournament uh right after you finish speaking, we can start reading off names and tables, uh, you know, 10 seconds later. So I did write that program and yeah, sure enough, I, I mailed that program out to people who asked for it. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to polish the program up enough to to sell for money, but, uh, I, I'm happy to hear it's still working pretty well.
0: I use it. Uh, I use it for turning stone and I use it for the U S open and I'm sorry. Well, what used to be the U S open, uh, But that's how I originally get the information in, and then I had wrote a routine to read the save file into our system, so it's still working like a charm for me. (laughs) Well, Andy, I know it is super late out there. What is it, 1.15? Uh,
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: And you kick things off at what time tomorrow?
1: 11 o'clock tomorrow, but we've got lots of help here, so uh, probably just coming around. 10, 15 or so, 10 or 10, 10 15, and uh, we'll probably be ready to
0: go in our pile by 11. Uh, the easy life of a tournament director.
1: Yeah, until, until people want to argue about something. Sure, it's, it's pretty easy running the tournament.
0: All right, well, Andy, I will let you uh, go home and get some rest again. For the people who are listening to this as soon as it's posted on Thursday, um, it's High Rock Productions on Facebook. Yes, I think High Rock store if you oh, search yeah. for High Rock store it will definitely find it. Or American 141 Straight Pool Championship on Facebook.
1: That is right. And we'll get we'll get those videos up and we've got a couple thousand viewers here and there during the day so seems to be well received.
0: All right. Well I wish you uh, an easy tournament for the next couple of days, and I really thank you for everything that you're doing for Straight Pool. It, it uh, you know, it needs to be done, and you guys look to be doing a great job.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Mike. It's, uh, it's certainly our pleasure, and we'll, we'll let you know how things go in the next couple of days.
0: All right, sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Go, go, go home and get some rest.
1: All right. Good night, Mike. <laughs> All
0: right, thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.
2: Okay, bye.
0: Mm, bye. All right, that was Andy. Again, they are down to four players out there. As of the time that I do this recording, you can go to High Rock Store on Facebook, and you can watch the streaming. I'm sure that those all the last three matches, single elimination, four players, I'm sure the last three matches will all be streamed. Okay, I also had a chance this week to talk to Eklent Kachi from Albania, the world number one, European number one, Moscone Cup number one, um... Freezer's 10-ball challenge, uh, win the lag and break and run eight on the tight pit table at Freezer's Ice House ranked number one. Eklund has done quite a bit in the last four years. There were a couple of times where it was a little bit difficult to understand his accent, but I think you get the gist of what he was saying. And I really loved the quote that he gave about wanting to live after he dies. I think that's a that's a great way of looking at things. So here you have Eklent Kachi. Very proud to be joined today by the world's number one ranked player, Eklent Kachi from Albania. But you're not in Albania right now. You're in New York playing straight pool?
2: Yeah, that's right. I'm playing the straight pool. Event.
0: Um, and then you're you're over here for the U.S. Open, right?
2: Yeah, I'm going to come there after the straight pool event.
0: Well, and, and again, it's not the U.S. Open, I, I realized realize It's the National it. Open. Right. Um, you spend a fair amount of time in the States. You come over here for tournaments. How often do you come over here?
2: Yeah, I come here a lot. I stay here probably like four months a year, maybe more sometimes. Yeah, I play here a like lot because many tournaments. Yeah.
0: What is the uh, pool scene like in Albania?
2: Pool is not like uh the- it's not like really many good players, but there's a few good players that, that if they really practice hard, they can do good. So we have, we have time here.
0: Well, the idea of practicing hard to do well, I've got to admit, before I contacted you for the interview, I went out and was searching on the net and came across a video that you had done with the EPBF in 2014. When you had won a silver medal at one of the junior championships,
2: yeah, that was one of my first silver medal. That was the European Championship Cup was under seventeen.
0: How do you go from a silver medal in 2014 to being the world's number one player in just four years?
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of crazy. I know that <laughs> because many people say, like, how how can you go? that up so fast, yeah, levels. I don't know, maybe, I, I practice a lot, I work hard, I exercise a lot too, and I guess, also, talent, you need, you need to live with talent and a lot of work. So I'm very proud of myself and the hard work has paid already, so I just going to keep doing what I'm doing.
0: How often do you practice or, or how much time do you practice in a day on average?
2: Uh, depends. So sometimes it's like just I can play a couple of hours, but if I'm practicing for a big tournament, I might practice more hours than usually do. And yeah, I try to play as much as I can. When I have a free time, I just want to go full and spend my time there.
0: What got you started in the beginning? What, what prompts someone from Albania, where you say there aren't many players, what, what prompts you to, to really get serious about professional pool?
2: Uh, when I, the city I was born in Albania It's called Dutch I lived there for 12 years And uh, when I go in the pool hall there, It was like a kids pool hall Like the only kids play there And uh, but there's like few men that play good So everybody keep watching them So I, I go and watch And I see all these people watching And everybody was playing good So I said, okay, I'm going to start this game And become better than them And I think it's few months I started beating them, and, like, I became the best in the city. And then, the 11 years old, uh, I was part of the National Championship Juniors in Albania, and I won it the first tournament I played. I won, like, six matches still field, field And after that, I started playing the, the na- I mean, National Championships, all of them, and then two few years later, I started playing outside the country
0: we've heard that some of the countries over in europe have a program where as a professional player you know you receive some kind of a stipend from the government and and it's all about the olympics is does that happen in albania
1: uh
2: Albanian government they never help me in anything they never give me anything and even when i go here for the championship a few years ago i need to pay for my expenses so yeah, all the countries, like Holland, Austria stuff, they are very good. For medal, they get paid like 25,000 euros per year. It doesn't matter what kind of medal you win. So, yeah, Ovea is not the best in it.
0: So, you're the number one player in the world. You're also the number one player in Europe, correct?
2: Yeah, WPS also number one.
0: And you're at the top of the Moscone Cup list. Yeah, that's true. Uh... What kind of goals do you have for your career?
2: (laughs) My goals, uh, I want to win all the disciplines, world championships. 10, 9, straight pool, all all the disciplines. I want to achieve. And uh, I want to be, I want to be like the best player ever that pool has. Has.
0: Well, that's not, uh, not, not too much of a goal.
2: I mean, it's like I have like I'm gonna say how uh, uh, like I want to live after I die too. That's how I feel. You know what I mean?
0: Um, I've never never heard the phrase before, but yeah, I think I do.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like I wanna I wanna live after I die. So that's kind of like I'm gonna be playing for many years and.
0: You say that, that you want to win all the disciplines. What would you consider your best discipline? Best
2: discipline?
0: Yes, I, I see that you... I mean, we, we all know that you play 8-ball really well from the World Pool Series. Um, yeah. We know that you play 10-ball extremely well. Um, what is your favorite game?
2: Uh, I think my favorite game is... oh, Actually, I like all the rotation games, but 10-ball is my favorite.
0: Everyone, and I'm calling from, from Arizona, everyone out here is is still talking and probably will be talking for quite some time about the match you had out here with Alex Pagulayan. Can you talk about that?
2: Uh, yeah, that's the match that I ran out of the set. Yes. Yeah, that was my greatest match I've ever done. <laughs> so we we leg and I, I broke first and I broke in one eight. Eight fights and then we got to the shoot. So that was a really great match.
0: And that table is, is tight. Uh, you know, It's it, the pockets are shimmed real tight. That didn't seem to bother you at all.
2: Yeah, that was that's true. It was tight pockets and not really easy. I was playing actually all night. I was playing against uh, Ruston, where it 25. So I was like, I like 5 or 6 p.m. I said like two hours. And then wake up and came to play out. And I was like trying he struggle like this because I was, I was shooting all night. And yeah, it was a, I played my best there. But I've done it before, eight rags, but not like from the beginning of the set till the end.
0: What is the longest run that you've put together?
2: Nine ball, I've run the set, nine, nine racks. And in ten ball, I did twice, eight rags.
0: I also noticed when I was doing some research that you played in the Albania uh, snooker championship this year. Is that something else that you're considering playing?
2: Yeah, I play. I play sometimes snooker too, in, like, in almost all the national championships in Albania, and yeah, I've won it every year. And I play. I play snooker alright. I'm not like top top like players, but like, I think they're good. I don't really practice much snooker. So I'm more into
0: pool. You know, we've seen some of the players like Alex and Corey. You know, they've tried to go out and and become professional snooker players. Is that is that something you might look at down the road, or or is snooker just something that you play for fun?
2: Right now, right now, I'm really focusing in pool because I got so many uh, good tournaments coming up, and I'm a Sony Cup player, but. If I decide to, to practice this snooker and quit pool for a few months, I probably can become very strong in snooker if I want to. But I'm just doing great in pool right now. I'm world number one, European number one, everywhere number one. So why well, I gotta quit this and do that?
0: I still see sometimes that you, uh, you gamble in between tournaments. It, are you still able to find people who want to play as the world number one, or, or do people still not know you?
2: Right now, there are a few players that they, they, they play, like Filipinos, and like the Shane I'm he's ready to play, and like top players they play, but yeah, they're just top players, probably like five, six of them.
0: Do you have anything lined up anytime soon?
2: Yeah, I will be playing uh, Carlo Biagio, he's world number two. I will play him after the International Open. Race 25 or 30 for a month.
0: What? Where are you playing that?
2: Uh, probably somewhere close, maybe Virginia or Chicago or Washington, I don't know, somewhere there. I
0: I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. the There's video online and, and everyone's debating back and forth. Um, in the finals against Shane, when the Americans were over there playing and you were playing him on the Euro Tour, uh, he had reached out for a shot and there were some people who thought it was a bad hit. What was your opinion on it?
2: To be honest with you, I'm 100% sure that it was a problem because all the, all the things that he like goes in the best way, like even the way he stroke it, the cue ball sound and the cue ball, the change direction. But uh, I'm pretty sure the Shane didn't feel it, and uh, also the rapper is very hard to see it. Even in the camera, it's very hard to, to understand. But it was a fault, my my opinion, and mostly the people's opinion. It was a fault, so but that that's okay. It's not like the ref did it in purpose or the shame did it in purpose. It's fine. But I think the pool the pool needs to have like some new technology, like these things would they don't need to happen in this kind
0: of level, yeah? Well, I'd be interested in that technology. You're talking about something that that makes it easier to detect fouls and that sort of thing? Yes. I
2: don't know what what they mean, but just something.
0: Okay. Um so you've got you're playing the American fourteen one right now. How are you doing in that tournament?
2: Uh yeah, I'm playing here for these like 48 40 players. It's a group matches. you got to play everyone in the group, six players, and three of them cause the group. And yeah, I'm waiting to play my match. I stand here.
0: Okay, and then you've got the International Open after that. Do you have other tournaments lined up before you go back home?
2: Uh, no. I mean, I played the National Open, I played Carla. And uh, then, 2 November, I will go Albania, because I need to get my English visa for Masonica in December 4 to 7. And uh, after that, I go to play your tour, 15, 17 November. And then, after year tour, I prepare for uh, Mosconica. I'm looking forward to it. Was one of my dreams to play so I'm very excited.
0: Well, it seems like you're you're managing quite a few of your dreams right now uh, with with the yeah. way that you're playing.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, one of my biggest dreams was to become world number one. I didn't really, like, it wasn't my dream to win, like, a world championship. Because, I mean, one player can win a world championship can be, like, in a very good stroke in one week. But to become world number one, in, like, because playing all year, years, being persistent, that's very hard. So that was one of my dreams. And then all the dreams to, to play with Sony. Yeah, dreams coming true to first.
0: Well, Eklund, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time for us today. I will let you get back to the 14-1 tournament going on, and I will look forward to seeing you at the International Open in about a week.
2: Yeah, I
0: will see you there. All right. Thanks, Eklund. We'll talk to you soon. All
2: right. Bye. Take care.
0: All right, everybody. That was World Number One Eklent Kachi talking about how he got to where he is and and what his hopes and dreams are for pool. My hopes and dreams are for a safe trip to Norfolk, Virginia, for Pat Fleming's International Open Nine Ball Championship. We will be there for the duration, doing real time scoring and bracket updates. It's going to depend on how much time there is out there. I mean. I'll have all those players available, and it would be great to be able to sit down and do an interview or two. I might be able to throw something together, but I can't guarantee anything. So I hope to do something next week, but again, there's, there's no guarantees. That can be a, a pretty busy tournament out there. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to American Billiard Radio. Uh, we will be back, like I say, in, in one or two weeks. I appreciate everybody listening. And Dave, we are all thinking about you.